It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. The fantasy universe. Welcome everybody to the two point stance powered by fantasypoints.com. I'm your boy Brian Drake. Check me out on the old Twitter machine. Never call it X at Drake Fantasy. <laughs> Hanging and banging. I'm going to make that a thing, Joe, with my partner, Mr. Joe Dolan, the managing editor of fantasypoints.com at FG underscore Dolan. Uh, do you ever get tired of me saying hanging and banging at the beginning of the podcast, or have you just blocked it out by now? I've completely blocked it out. I was I was answering some customer service tickets while you were doing that, Drake. How you guys doing? How you doing this morning? It's uh, it's good to be with you. Joe's a ma- Joe's a master of multitasker at this point. It's it's, a, it's incredible. That voice you hear is the great Graham Barfield. You can follow him at Graham Barfield on Twitter. He's here because it was cut down day in the NFL on Tuesday, so teams are down to. 53 men or around that point some have uh, less and some will be adding a few more so uh, we're going to go through some of the big storylines of the day and how they're going to impact possibly your fantasy football drafts coming up over labor day weekend so graham welcome in man any uh, any big surprises from cut down day before we really get into the nuts and bolts uh, we'll get to we'll get to the running back there in Indy. Uh, that was definitely a surprise. What a what a mess that is. But no, not really. I mean, honestly, it's kind of quiet. Uh, I expected a f- maybe a few more trades. We got kicker trades, which was fun. Jake Seely is tilting his his mind out right now. But uh, hey, no football's on our doorstep. We finally have actual real football in a week. I'm I'm pumped. We do. And someone who doesn't have real football coming up in a week or two is Jonathan Taylor because he was left on the PUP list by the Indianapolis Colts. He did not get traded. All the mystery teams and the Miami Dolphins and you name it, he did not go anywhere. He is, at the moment, staying in Indianapolis on the pup list. So, Graham, let's start with you. He's going to miss the first four weeks of the season at least on the pup list. Where are you if you are even drafting Jonathan Taylor at this point? I know we've updated our rankings at FantasyPoints.com. And then do you have any interest in the Zach Moss, Evan Hull, Deion Jacksons of the world? Sure. So we were talking about this before the show. We were talking about with John and group chat. We put Taylor at like RB27, which is around like that Alvin Kamara tier. And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Kamara's going to miss three games. Taylor might be hurt. And Joe, you and I were talking about this too. Like the only the only thing that makes logical sense here is that Taylor is, is actually hurt. And if you look back, like the last quote from Chris Ballard, their GM, is him saying like, yeah, we just got to get him 100% before we do anything. And I think he was inferring like we got to get him 100% before we trade him. At this point, I mean, I'm probably trying to make you know sense out of the senseless with Taylor. I have kind of sh- I was shying away a little bit in the third round just because I felt like something was up. Uh, I was taking Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry ahead of him. Now I'm pretty much completely out. Uh, you know, like I said, we have him RB 27 in that Camara range. Uh, personal rankings, I've got him like RB 29. Again, there's a significantly higher risk now that he plays zero games this year, right? Like significantly. And as for the Colts guys right now, I've got Evan Hull at the top, but I don't feel confident about it. Uh, I've got Zach Moss. I think Zach Moss is the, the best runner out of this group. I've got him at two. And then I've got Deion Jackson at three because he's really just like a passing down player. But Joe, they, they've got to sign Kareem Hunt, right? Like that's going to happen. They got to sign somebody. Um, look, and let's let's start to peel back the layers of this onion here. 
because there are two there are two things at work here. Number one is Occam's razor. And Occam's razor, the simplest and most logical explanation, is that Jonathan Taylor, as you said, is hurt. And if Jonathan Taylor is hurt, then that would explain why the Colts don't want to sign him to an extension. Now, I have said all offseason that I support the fact that Jonathan Taylor, you know, maybe wants to be a revolutionary. He wants to be the William Wallace of running backs, you know, like I kind I totally appreciate that. But if he is hurt, I also get the Colts perspective here. Um, on the other hand, I the Ursay's razor is he is a reactionary person who likes to be extremely online. And I wonder if the running backs don't matter stuff just got in the wrong hands. You know, like the like the the genetic science in Jurassic Park got into the wrong hands. You're too preoccupied with whether or not you could that you didn't stop to think if you should. And Ursa's like, well, all these geniuses on the internet make their entire personalities about how running backs don't matter. And I'm not going to be the guy who they're going to point and laugh at. I think that's a pretty logical explanation for what's happening here too. And then yeah. you have to, and then you have to go back to the fact that, Oh, go out and play and perform and then we'll pay you. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley just went out and performed and put up big seasons and they didn't get paid. So Jonathan Taylor is in a, th this is a really interesting situation that is coming to a head. I think it's the right mix of a young running back who has produced just got hurt for the first time in his life and the wrong owner to handle the situation. It's almost like it kind of reminds me of what the angels are doing and art Marino is doing with Otani. It's like you're frozen in time, right? Like you don't want to be the guy who traded your best player, but you also don't want to pay him like a huge market contract. And you know, now Otani's hurt, but yeah, it's, there's no doubt, Joe, like, Ursa has bungled the situation and just like long term, the Colts are in a rough spot for free agents. Like, I can't imagine any smart free agent with a good agent would be like, yeah, let's go try to negotiate with the Colts right now. You know, like long term, this is this is a mess. Uh, real quick, I'll just kick it back. Like, what is yeah? if Taylor comes back week five, right? Like. How, what are we projecting here, right? Because this is it'll, it'll be him and some veteran and then probably Evan Hull and Zach Moss. Like, yeah. can we even expect Taylor to be the same like bell cow type player? Like this is that this is all the, the things running in my head right now. If know? he comes back week five, it completely depends on does he have a new contract or right. is he on a new team? Yeah, because that's the thing. If he doesn't have a new contract, and he's playing for the Colts. The first time he like clips a toenail, he's not going to play. All he's you know? going like... to do if he is with the Colts is play just well enough to toll his contract and then get the hell out of town. That's that's well, what he's going to do. See, this is this is why stuff is so tricky sometimes. Chris Wecht and I were going back and forth in this. He pulled like the PUP rules, and since Taylor's in the last year of his deal. His contract would toll even if you it would not toll. Sorry, uh, even if he stayed on PUP all year. So if they reverted him to rever reserve PUP, uh, he would be out of his rookie contract. He'd be a free right. agent. So right. that's the thing is like, what were the Colts thinking in all of this? Like, you activate him off PUP, and then he, you know, you don't, you could possibly still move him, but now you can't. You've backed yourself into a corner because his contract is up. 
You know, so, you just killed all your leverage. Than a trade pick. So, but here's the I other don't know. thing. I really don't if, know. If he's not hurt and they keep him on the PUP, Taylor can file a grievance. So, yeah, exactly. like, I, like I there's, there's all kinds of angles to this. The fact of the matter is, look, if you're listening yeah. to this from a fantasy football perspective, and I, I guarantee you there are people out there doing podcasts about his contract that understand the situation better than we do. From a fantasy football perspective, Graham, I think the simplest explanation is just don't draft him. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I hate to say that about a player who's extremely talented. And obviously we know uh, if he's out there and he's healthy, he has top five running back in his range of outcomes, but I'm, I'm with you. There's just so many extenuating circumstances here. I think the bet, the best advice I could give right now is like draft him in that range where like the really risky, but high upside, like RB two ish guys go like Camara, like Swift, yeah. Those guys are just like have super low floors. Like, you know what the floor is, but the ceiling is there. Uh, you're going to be taking four zeros. Um, also, check your IR rules. Some leagues don't allow you to put players that are on PUP on IR. So that might be a little extra carrot to draft them if you can stash them on IR just yeah. to get an extra roster spot. But I, I, this is a mess. I mean, it's an absolute Look, mess. I, I was in a league last night. I was So I ended up with Rashad Penny as my fifth running back. Um, it's a really soft Yahoo public league. Um, and it basically what I did was I loaded up at wide receivers and I just threw a bunch of darts at running back, knowing that some of these darts were going to land. I was going to take Jonathan Taylor before I took Rashad Penny. Just because I'm like, all right, Rashad Penny, we already know. Like, yeah. And Jonathan Taylor has a higher ceiling than Rashad Penny. So I'm like, I was going to take him. Somebody ended up taking him and I was okay with that. Um, but you, you have to understand, this can legitimately be a league winning pick. Or you, he might sit the entire season. At the very least, when you look at a guy like Rashad Penny, you know Rashad Penny's going to suit up week one. Now, beyond that... <laughs> it's crazy to say. It's insane that, at this point. Beyond that, who knows? Oh, my God. <laughs> but Jonathan Taylor, there is Le'Veon Bell potential here. Yeah, yeah but, there and is. That, that, that's, the, that's the situation. I've yeah. got two thoughts on this. Number one, if he does play and he plays as we know Jonathan Taylor to play, I love his potential when you've got a mobile quarterback in this Shane Steichen offense. Think of what Miles Sanders did last year with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, they don't have the exact same offensive line, but the gap and that split second that defenders are going to have to read to think about Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor can get through a hole. I think he could have a solid year. If you're a fantasy player in a league where you keep players the following year at whatever value you drafted them at, that's where you can get sneaky with Jonathan Taylor. Imagine Jonathan Taylor falls into the fifth round of your draft you can draft him there and then the following year keep him when he's either fully paid or on a new team so just know your league rules out there it might be a, a nice way to get a star player on the cheap well we're talking backfields here let's go down to big d in dallas well, their backfield's a little light uh there's tony pollard rico dowdle and the diminutive one deuce vaughn who is drawing all sorts of darren sproles uh nostalgia from people out there in the, the twitter verse i mean this was a spot guys we lost zeke maybe you thought okay this is a nice spot for fournette maybe hunt comes in here are they really gonna roll with pollard dowdle and deuce vaughn does this just mean more wheels up for tony pollard graham yeah i mean i've been saying it all off season you look at their personnel uh, I don't care what Mike McCarthy said. This is going to be a pass first team. You look they've got three great wide receivers. Uh, they're going to be an 11 personnel heavy team. And it's going to be about, you know, 
quick timing passes, West Coast offense under McCarthy. And yeah, Pollard is the clear, he's been the clear RB1 here all offseason. I, I didn't expect them to come out and you know, like sign Dalvin Cook like someone who's legitimately good. I, I'm with you though, Drake. I thought they'd sign somebody uh, to kind of give Pollard, you know, some insurance. But yeah, man, I mean, it's going to be uh, some type of like lowercase Austin Eckler workload for him. Uh, 200 to 220 carries, 70 to 80 targets on top five, top six offense. Like I've been, I've been hammering Pollard, you know, that's, he's been my guy. Um, Deuce Vaughn is, I, I legitimately think Joe Deuce Vaughn's their RB two. It's kind of crazy to think oh, about, but I, I think agree. he's like, yeah, I think he's like their four to six type touch player. And there you go. Uh, here's the thing though. Deuce Vaughn is not getting 20 carries if yeah. Tony Pollard yeah, he's a, hurt. He's a like, true change of pace. And by the way, first and foremost, I understand the Darren Sproles comparisons. He, short, he shortly went to Kansas State. Th those comparisons are going to happen. Darren Sproles has an ass the size of a dump truck, okay? Deuce Vaughn is slight. <laughs> and, and Darren yeah. Sproles, by the way, was never a 20-carry-a-game guy. He was always a change-up. So yeah. um, – I'm not trying to say that Deuce Vaughn can't be explosive in a certain role. And hell, maybe even in certain games, he he could have some fantasy flex value. But if Tony Pollard goes down, Deuce Vaughn is not the RB1. It just cannot happen. He is too small. Um, and, and maybe for one game, it works out that way. Maybe for two games, it works out that way. But it's not going to work out that way for six, seven, eight games if Tony Pollard suffers, let's say, an injury like he suffered in the divisional round last year. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But for now, Deuce Vaughn is definitely the second back you want on the Cowboys. I just don't think you can call him handcuffed. No, they'll, if, if anything happens to Pollard, it'll be Dowdle. And to your, to your point, Sproles was like I think 10 pounds heavier. You know, I mean, Deuce is, is legit tiny. Uh, they they could definitely bring in a veteran too. Still, I mean, there's still going to be some guys floating out here in the next couple of days as we go through camp cutdowns. So we'll see. But yeah, locked and loaded on Pollard. Another team that's pretty light in the backfield are the Detroit Lions, but at least their two options are pretty good. We've got what I consider to be the best value in fantasy drafts right now: David Montgomery and rookie Jameer Gibbs, who we know Joe is very high on. Just to put this into context, folks: Jamal Williams last year per fantasy points data had 84.6 of uh, percent of the lions carries inside the five yard line. He's not there anymore. So that's either all going to go to uh, mostly Montgomery. Maybe Gibbs gets a little in there. There is a huge window of opportunity for these two running backs. And looking at fantasy pros consensus, ADP Jameer Gibbs is running back 14 with an ADP, you know, in the early thirties, you got to scroll all the way down to RB31 in the mid-70s for David Montgomery here. If I'm drafting this weekend, I got a big star next to David Montgomery's name, and I'm making sure I grab his ass. What do you guys think? Montgomery's been a value for me in best ball for sure. Uh, I like him when – I think Montgomery fits like a specific team build. Like if you've got Pollard as your RB1 and you just like need a steady RB2 and you went like superhero running back, I love Montgomery on those types of teams. Uh, yeah, I think he's a, he's a solid floor play. Gibbs would need to get hurt for him to like really smash a ceiling. And I think that's why I've been, you know, taking like Rashad White and James Conner, like clear bell cows ahead of him. Uh, but Montgomery has been, a, a, I think a strong value. I mean, there was a one point in this offseason he was going to like the eighth round. Uh, also on their backfield, like they could definitely bring back, bring back Craig Reynolds. They're not going to go into the season with just two, uh, so, yeah, Lions, Lions backfield, though, once again, I mean, they're going to be a super productive, super productive unit. And um, I think they're both kind of fairly priced. I've been with you, though, Drake. Mostly I've been drafting Montgomery uh, out of the two. Joe, I know Actually, you love me that. some Jameer Gibbs. 
I just drafted Jameer Gibbs. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just took him in uh, Edwin Porras's injury-prone invitational. Um, uh, super flex league. I took him as my RB one, and I took him in the fifth round. I absolutely, go- I absolutely goose Tom Brawley on him too. Uh, I saw Tom Brawley take Joe Mixon after him, and I was like, oh, I definitely just got Brawley good. <laughs> and then that's that's that, a great price. That's a great price. For yeah, him. like so. I I got my I got two quarterbacks and two receivers before I took him, and that's kind of like I love Jameer Gibbs. But this is not somebody – like, when I say I love him, I'm not saying, oh, this is somebody I'm going to go into the second round to draft. I want him – if he's going to be my RB1, it's going to be on a team where I have two really good wide receivers. That And that's going to be the case. And on this team, I have Justin Herbert, Stephon Diggs, Dak Prescott, and a Herbert stack with Keenan Allen, okay? Then that's where – um, the super flex team, that's where I'm taking Jameer Gibbs as my one. But I, I just feel like the upside is there where he's just so much more appealing than a guy like Joe Mixon at this point. And I know Scott yeah. Barrett loves him some Joe Mixon. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm just taking the bait here, but no, I I think Jameer Gibbs is the type of guy who can be an RB1 PPR nah. on a team where yeah. you have two really good wide receivers. I'm with you. I've got Gibbs at RB10 and Mixon at RB12. I got ETN at RB11, uh, rejigging the the running back rankings. Gibbs is great in PPR because, like, Joe, I think the the, the ceiling is a little cap because Montgomery's going to take the goal line work, kind of like Drake was alluding to. But, like, Gibbs could lead all running backs and targets this year easily. Mm-hmm. Like, he could get to 80, 90 targets, and, you know, you can get that guy in the fifth round of super flex leagues. It's It's crazy. Yeah. So Drake, you mentioned how the, the the Lions are light at running back, and they are. They only uh, how many teams carry two running backs, you know, the, in this day and age. But look at how light they are at receiver right now. Oh my God, it's literally one guy. It, it's St. Brown. <laughs> They're like Jameer Gibbs is their second receiver right now. He so, is. Well, it'll I, be him or Sam Laporta by target yeah. share. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. They're going to go into Week One with. It'll be Amon Ra playing outside and in the slot. They'll have Josh Reynolds outside. They'll have Marv Jones kind of moving in and out. But, like, to me, this is all Amon Ra and Gibbs week ones through six, and then they'll get Williams back, and we'll see what he can do. But, you know, at this point, he's a total wild card here, too. It's a We don't even know if Jameson Williams can play, like, a full-time role at this point. You know what I mean? Like, he's a mm-hmm. total wild card, but uh, he could he could definitely lift the lid to this offense for sure. How about dirt cheap? bargain basement dfs throw right here how about that josh reynolds play if he's gonna be yeah, starting no, he's, he's played a ton of snaps he's been a guy, a guy yeah i've been taking him in the 18th round on like lion stacks uh he's gonna play all year like he will be a full-time outside wide receiver legitimate chance for four to five touchdowns jameson williams is a guy that can't stay on the field for a variety of injuries or uh, issues. Sometimes they're injuries. You mentioned our good friend Edwin Porras, and I want to let you guys know Edwin's got an injury guide uh, for drafting. Now, if you've seen all these Twitter doctors out here, and I, I know there's a million of them, but who can you really trust? How about our guy, Dr. Edwin Porras? He's a real deal doctor, and he's put together a uh, a book here that you're going to want to get your hands on the injury prone draft guide and playbook is what it's called and it's going to show you exactly how players perform after injuries with a decade of data and historical precedent so you guys can make optimal decisions there's 40 plus player profiles on skill players all throughout the nfl with injury history injury concerns and there's 10 plus years of data OK, this isn't just like something he rolled out of bed with and said hey you know let's let's throw this out here as a twitter thread no this is backed with data and analytics you know how we roll at fantasypoints.com 
So go over, pick up the injury-prone draft guide and playbook. I'm going to save you 25% today. Use promo code INJURYPRONE25. That's INJURYPRONE25. Save 25% off. There's a link in the show notes. It's injuryproneguide.myshopify.com. I swear to you folks, knowing about the injury history of some of these players is going to make you a better DFS player, better season-long player, and you're going to be better at your props. So go over there, cop our boys' book, the Injury Prone Draft Guide and Playbook. Injury Prone 25 is the code. Injuryproneguide.myshopify.com. Shout out to our pal, Dr. Edwin Porras. Much better so, that time, Drake. Yeah, I just made it up on the fly there. And, uh, <laughs> if you go back and listen to our last show uh, with uh, Drew Davenport and thousands upon thousands of you have looking at the numbers, uh, I may have butchered that uh, slightly. So uh, speaking of another team that basically has no players, the New England Patriots. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Not to besmirch the good name of Bill Belichick, right? Bill Belichick is, in my mind, the greatest football coach of all time. I don't buy in for a second that he's a good GM. I think he lucked into Tom Brady because you can say, oh, well, they drafted Tom Brady. They got him in the sixth round. They could have drafted him five other times, and they decided not to, all right? And sometimes lucky things just happen in the NFL. He's never drafted any other good skill players. They've got one quarterback on the roster, guys. They got rid of Bailey Zappi, got rid of Malik Cunningham. Then in their backfield, we're hearing all this talk about, oh, Ramondre is going to be sharing touches with, you know, Kevin Harris is still there. They, you know, 86 Pierre Strong and Ty Montgomery, he's going to steal passing down work. It ain't happening. It's Ramondre, it's Zeke. And, and uh, you know, they, they apparently only want one quarterback. They're a flag football team. What do you make of this? What's going on here, uh, Graham, in New England? Well, I mean, they gave Zeke six mil. Uh, Ramondre is going to play, you know, 65% of the snaps. You know, again, they'll probably bring in a third. You know, they've just drafted poorly at the position. I mean, Pierre Strong, I think, was a poor prospect. Same with Kevin Harris. Uh, they just not hit their depth guys. And the time Montgomery couldn't stay healthy, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. They'll probably add a third guy. Uh, this team, guys, has been one I've been like, you know, I, I love Ramondre. I've got him at RB9. You know, I've been taking him, but like, Outside of him, I have yeah. uh, I have largely been staying away. You know, Hunter Henry, like super late in best ball, has been a guy I've been taking. Vontae Parker, super late in best yeah, ball, every now and again. Yeah, but you don't want these dudes on your actual fantasy no. teams. Besides, it's Ramondre or bust. Yep. And uh, yeah. the one thing I did, the one thing I will take away from this, first and foremost, uh, there was a report. Diana Rossini from the Athletic came out today and said, "Well, th- what the Patriots plan on doing is bringing Zappy back to their practice squad, and you can do that." practice squad elevation now where you can activate a guy on game day even if he's on your practice squad um but the fact that they cut bailey zappy tells you what they think of bailey zappy you're not if if you think this guy has potential to be a a good backup quarterback in the league you're not cutting him It, it that just doesn't happen so they'll tolerate him as their backup if he gets through waivers but they want somebody else here um so th- this roster is an, uh, is unfinished. As a matter of fact, by the time people listen to this, waivers are going to process. So um, so they might have a backup quarterback. But what this told me was, it, and this is a really fringe fantasy take, or this is for the real sickos out there. If you have Mac Jones in a super flex dynasty, this, this solidified his value a little bit for me. Um, it just like, you know, I have him as my quarterback two on a super flex dynasty team where Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback one. And I'm like, you know, this all season, I wasn't feeling great about that. And now I feel better about it. Like I, Mac Jones is going to start every game for the Patriots if he's healthy this year. 
Yeah, I, I've got a big soft spot in my heart for Ramondre Stevenson. I just remember some of the monster games that he had last year. For some reason, I think that casual home league guy is going to get real scared off of Zeke. And like you said, he, he's getting six mil, but Ramondre is like the only weapon they have yeah. there. Uh, oh, so, Zeke yeah. is stealing touchdowns. It's going to happen. Yep. That doesn't mean I'm out on Ramondre, though. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think outside of like three or four running backs, literally three or four, we've got to just accept that with all 32 teams. Like yep. there's going to be weeks where there's going to be a rotation and the guy behind him steals the touchdowns and Ramondre scores like 14 points. You know, that's going to happen yeah. to most guys. We've got Ramondre over at fantasypoints.com at RB10, uh, I believe. Uh, he's coming off the board around 30 you know, 34 or so. So, uh, you know, end of the third round, if you want to get your hands on Mr. Stevenson, here's a player that I guarantee if you're walking into a, someone's garage and you're drafting shirtless with a natter day in your hand, people are going to say, when you put the Jackson Smith and Jigba sticker on the board, he's hurt. What are you doing? He's not going to play for a month. Well, he's out there practicing already. We don't really know exactly the specifics of that wrist injury, guys. But if he's out there catching balls and running around, you got to assume JSN's playing week one, right? He's got a huge like cast thing on his hand, but I, I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, thanks, Pete. Once again, you know, Pete was like, hey, he might miss a month and he's back. I was joking in Discord. I was, I was like literally joking, saying, hey, Pete will probably say he's going to miss like a month. And he'll be back in like eight days. I think he actually came back in eight days. It's absurd. Uh, I was uh, I bumped up Lockett and Metcalf like a little in my rankings. Uh, but yeah, JSN, if not week one by week two, I mean, seems, seems pretty good to me. Yeah. I'm in with him. I, I yeah, love it. Man. I'm still in on Lockett though. Yep. I, I, yeah, I talked so. to Michael Sean Dugar for franchise focus about the Seahawks. And he was like, he had such a low projection for JSN that it was like shocking to me. Like, I think he had him as sub 50 catches. I, I couldn't even get there uh, as a fantasy guy. I couldn't get there, but like, this is a guy who's around the team and knows the team and, probably holds a higher opinion of Tyler Lockett than like the Tyler Lockett is like the perpetually disrespected fantasy guy in the fantasy industry. And then he just catches 80 balls for a thousand yards every year. But Michael Sean DeGar was like, yeah, I, I said, what would they consider a good season from Jackson Smith and Jigba? And he was like, Oh, 40 catches, 600 yards and four touchdowns. And yeah. you know, he's coming off a hand injury. Like I, I, it, it's possible. He's more of a second half of the year kind of guy. Uh, he is 100% that guy you know Joe you and I talk about this every year there's always rookie receivers that like by week eight or week nine you know they were kind of like not really giving you much borderline zeros for the first half of the year JSN is that guy this year he really stands out to me that in that way and same with Quentin Johnson Uh, both those guys really do there's gonna be a guy in your fantasy league who ends up winning the league with you know uh, David Montgomery Tyler Lockett and Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. And it's all, you know, cause he showed up to the draft in the fourth round <laughs> and you're going to be like, what the hell happened here? He took all these guys that nobody wanted, but you know, speaking of two guys, nobody wants Hunt and Fournette are still on the street. If you're drafting this weekend, Joe, let me start with you. You're taking a late shot on one of those guys. Cause you, you got to assume they're going to go somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, like if, if, if it comes down to drafting them or like Miles Gaskin, then yeah, I'll probably draft one of those two guys. Miles Gaskin signed with the Vikings, by the way, we should probably touch on that. But um, I mean, they're guys. Yeah. My fifth running back, sixth running back. No, I'm not jazzed up to draft them, but I, I think you could probably do worse. You know, jazzed up to draft 
Lenny Fournette, baby. No. Oh, hey, uh, we got we got FFPC drafts coming up, Graham. Maybe yes, we, we maybe do. we'll be taking a uh, big Lenny in one of them leagues. I uh, yeah yeah. I actually I've been I've been taking Hunt. He's he's got the most buzz amongst all these guys that are left. Uh, Hunt probably signs with the Colts. I think that's the most logical thing. But um, yeah, Hunt over Fournette. But like Joe said, I wouldn't take him over guys like Ty Chandler. Or, you know, even Kyron Williams, guys that we know that already RB twos. If you want to slap a sticker on the board this weekend or, you know, leading up to the opener, and then you realize, oh, crap, I don't have a sticker to slap on the board, go over see our buddies at fjfantasy.com. Use promo code FANTASYPTS10. We'll save you 10% off your order. I bought one myself. Uh, I'm not only the hair club president, I'm also a user, and I've got the board. It's sitting right next to me in a huge box. You can get a massive cardboard one you can see from the moon, or you can get a nice paper one that you just tape up you know, on somebody's wall. Go over to fjfantasy.com. They'll get you the draft board in time. Trust me, I got mine in like two days. Fantasy PTS 10, save 10% off your order. Guys, we had kicker trades go down. It's not often we talk kickers on uh, any of these podcasts, but you're going to be drafting a kicker maybe in some of your leagues here, and I think a few of these kind of move the needle a little bit. So three trades went down. Will Lutz goes from the Saints to the Broncos. They're going to go with rookie Blake uh, Grupp, Groupie. Group. I don't really care what his uh, name I think, is. I think it's Blake Group. Group. Yeah. So uh, it's like uh, uh, Blake Bubble Guppies. That's what it looks like how I wrote it. Uh, Nick Folk is going to the Tennessee Titans. They're going to roll with Chad Ryland as the Pats kicker. And Dustin Hopkins goes from the Chargers to the Browns. I was surprised by Will Lutz. He's a really good kicker. He's got a big leg. And not that we need to break down kickers here on the show, but you know, if you need a guy, you got a dude with a big leg going to Denver. That offense could stall out a little bit. You know, Jerry Judy's banged up. I like Will Lutz uh, yeah. in that thin air in Denver. Here's what I do when I dra- it, when I draft kickers in leagues where I have to draft kickers. I don't look at the name of the player. I look at the name of the team, and I look at I look at is this a high scoring team? The one that was most interesting of this was actually Dustin Hopkins going to the Browns because I think the Browns are going to have the best offense of a team that traded for a kicker. Uh, but it also solidified. Dicker the kicker, big kick dick, uh Cameron Dicker as the uh as the um as the Chargers kicker. And that instantly becomes like a top eight to ten kicker because that team's gonna score a lot of points this year. So that that's yeah. what that that's what that says to me. Like a lot of high stakes uh dra- um places use team kicker. That and that's how I draft kickers. That's how I look at kickers. It's a team kick. Fans are so much more and, and should be fans of teams are so much more invested in who the kicker is than I am. Yeah, Joe, we want we want kickers on good offenses, but offenses that aren't too good. Like we need some stalling out. Uh, yeah, Dicker, like Dicker Randy the kicker is one of my guys. It's my favorite kicker. Yeah, Dicker the kicker is one of my guys, and I, I love Jason Myers again. Seahawks yeah. are perpetually never uh, super aggressive on fourth down. Like yeah, they're going to be a good offense. So Jake Elliott's one of the best kickers in the NFL, but the Eagles score yeah. a ton of touchdowns, and they exactly. always go for it on fourth down. So yeah, like Jake Elliott not... was like seventeenth or something last year. Yeah, point, so. And like now that guy can kick from 65, but like the Eagles only attempt field goals if they have to. So like, that's yep. you know, that's what you got to look at. Another guy I love. We're, we're giving a kicker advice here on the show. Jesus Christ. Uh, Riley Patterson, kid out of Memphis. He's going to kick for the Lions this year. Uh, if you need a, another guy super deep and you know, we're digging deep here. You know, what else is digging deep Arizona. Like there's nobody. Oh, this is a God. high school team. The tank is on for the Cardinals. 
Uh, Kyler Murray's on the PUP. I tweeted out, Kyler Murray never plays another game for the Arizona Cardinals. This is Caleb Williams' time. Uh, one year from now, we're going to be talking about him and you know the rookie drafts and how he's taken over the Cardinals here. They're rolling with rookie Clayton Toon, who they got in the fifth round, and Joshua Dobbs, who just rolled into town last week. So you've got a terrible offensive line, a defense with nobody on it, and you're rolling out total scrubs at quarterback. I don't really care about the quarterback as much, but what is what do you guys think now with James Conner, Hollywood Brown? I mean, do you want any I mean, part of these guys, Joe? Somebody's got to touch the football, um, and they're going to be playing from behind. If you want to know how freaking bad the Cardinals are, they're seven-point underdogs to the freaking Commanders in week one. Commanders okay. defense, book it. Yeah, um, and then yeah. some real DFS sickos are going to fade the Commanders defense chalk and play a Dobbs Hollywood stack. Hey, by the way, um, uh, Josh Dobbs played pretty good last year and Drew Petsy yes, was on that did. staff in Tennessee um, and they pulled, yes, they yes. pulled him off the waiver wire and he played on two days. Josh Dobbs is starting week one. Like that's, yep. that's happening. Um, he can run around a little bit. Um, I, I <laughs> quite frankly, I feel better about the Cardinals offense with him than I would have with Colt McCoy. Well, that's the thing, Joe, is uh, one of their best beats. A guy's name is uh, Johnny Venerable from, uh, I think he does the Cardinals podcast or whatever. He's been saying that McCoy has been dust, like absolute he's dust in practice. In practice. Yeah. He's not throwing the ball. And yeah. and like, obviously he got cut. So, yeah. um, I mean, so it makes it, I, I, I see it the same way as you is like, this team's going to stink, but like Connor's the clear RB one They're I mean, they're just not going to sign somebody like Marlon Mack. They, they signed Marlon Mack off the street. He popped his Achilles. They have Corey Clement floating around. I guess Keontae Ingram will be there too. We'll see if they, they sign somebody that got cut. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, Clement, it wasn't going to make the team. Tyson Williams didn't make the team. Like they could definitely sign a, a running back here in the next couple of days. I actually view it the other way. Like if you're going into the season without a veteran and you're just going to roll with Dobbs, Kyler's playing week five. Like yeah. this, this team is going to be Owen four Drake. They're going to be Owen four. They're going to get hammered week four by the Niners. And then you look ahead. They are, they are underdogs in every single game by two or more points. Like they're going to be Owen four and they could easily lose out with Kyler. And I, you know, logically speaking, there's no incentive for Kyler to sit, right? Like he just got the huge contract. And if Arizona's truly out on him, he's going to want to prove himself, right? He's going to want to prove that he can play in the league and, and get a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, Secondly, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to want to make sure that they can get trade value out of him. Kyler's trade value has never been lower. So you've got to play Kyler. You've got to make sure that like he can keep up well, his trade value and you can move him. I don't see Graham. I don't necessarily buy that part. Because it, now if Kyler comes out and plays reasonably well, yes, that's going to increase his trade value. But look at what Carson Wentz was traded for in 2021 after a disaster season. Like the yeah. Eagles got a first round pick for him. So yeah. quarterbacks are always going to ACL. <laughs> yeah. And there are how many teams would be able to talk themselves into Kyler Murray this offseason? Quite Washington, a few. I say. Minnesota. Yep, yeah, depending no. on you know how Sam Howell plays, of course. But like, yeah, yeah but like you can see, there's going to be so many teams that are going to be able to talk themselves into Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial. Whether it's in Arizona or somewhere else, Kyler Murray is a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. I think that's that goes without saying. Um, 
more trade news, by the way. Again, I I don't want this to I don't want this uh, podcast to be expired on the shelf by the time it gets out there. I don't know if you guys have been following your timelines while we we've been recording this podcast. Yeah, I saw it. Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for ESPN, said the Packers were the mystery team in on Jonathan Taylor, and Barry Jackson, who is the most plugged in Dolphins uh, beat writer, he he covers. Uh, the Dolphins, I think he also covers the Heat for the Miami Herald, said the Colts made wild requests from Miami, including Waddle and more, in Jonathan Taylor trade talks. <laughs> now, you always have to take Jeez, these man. with a grain of salt, right? But if the Indianapolis Colts were indeed asking for Jalen Waddle in Jonathan Taylor trade talks, then the simplest explanation is that the Colts have completely bungled this situation. Yeah. And, like, how can you sit here and say, we're not going to pay a running back? But we, but if you want us to trade him to you, then you're going to have to trade your wide receiver who's on a rookie contract. Boggles the mind. Yeah. I mean, they've just, they've trapped JT. I mean, and I, and killed their leverage. Like I was saying, I mean, he could sit the whole year on PUP and, his contract wouldn't toll and he'd be a free agent. So, so bizarre as for the Packers that, I mean, that, that really surprised hmm. me, but and then you look at it like Aaron Jones is probably not back next year. AJ Dillon is in, will be in the final year of his deal. He's in the final know, run heavy team. They would so. have traded Dylan in that package, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Dylan, then- <laughs> Dylan would have been a part of it or honest Aaron Jones could have been a part of it too. Well, why like would they said, take on Aaron Jones deal. if they don't want to, well, it, Jones took a pay cut, but like, he took a pay now, cut, and this is really a one-year deal for him. So, is this is this the Colts not wanting to pay a running back, or is this just trying to make an example out of Jonathan Taylor himself? That's the question. Like, I kind of think I kind of think Ursay just got backed into a corner, and now he's kind of stuck. Honestly, yeah, and he's, you know, they and just he's waited not... too long, and they're stuck. Mm-hmm. They could still trade him. By the way, you can trade a player on PUP. I mean, they could still move him, but if that's the price, I mean, he's not getting moved. There's no, no. way. Aaron I mean, Jones next year makes $11 million in base salary uh, as a dead cap of 12.3. So, I mean, that's if you don't want to pay above the salary or the uh, the franchise tag for a running back, I mean. Yeah, that'll get re- – all these deals get restructured, though, and the, gets moved around. Thing. So That's – you know, the other thing that, that, that really grinds my gears here about the whole running back talk, and I know tremendous, this is something- Tremendous usage of that phrase, by the way. Love it. I, I, the, the thing, yeah. Which of these big running back contracts have truly prevented a team from improving? Nick Chubb is on a completely reasonable contract, and the, the, the you can make the argument that the Browns have the single worst contract in the NFL in Deshaun Watson, not named Russell Wilson. You know, it's, you could say it's, Zeke Elliott's deal was bad. Zeke, Zeke, Zeke's was bad, and like, but you know what? They're like, oh, they had to trade Amari Cooper because of that. They still handled the Amari Cooper situation terribly because yeah, if the Cowboys yeah. waited another month, they would have gotten significantly more for Cooper than they, Dude, they than they got. The, the Dallas completely screwed up the Cooper thing because they only got like, if I remember right, like two mid rounders back. Like, they, yeah, the Eagles they got, got severely like, undercompensated. Almost as much for Jalen Rager as the Cowboys got for yeah. Amari Cooper. You know, like so Joe, I, to your to your Watson point and Chubb point. The Browns have the most cap space in the NFL. Yeah, like exactly. By, by over ten million dollars. Oh, so, and they're paying Miles Garrett. Like, 
what are we talking about here? Yeah, you know? so, like, I mean, and, you know, the funniest part is, it's like, oh, which are the teams in the NFL who should be able to splurge on a, on a running back contract for a big-time running back? Uh, how about a team with a quarterback on a rookie contract? Oh, the Indianapolis Colts. Like, I don't know. It just seems like a completely – and I'm not saying Taylor's camp isn't to blame here. Like, there's certainly some blame to go around. But, like, it just feels like the Colts were just the absolute wrong team to handle this situation at, at, at this time. Uh, I, I, we're just rehashing arguments um, right here, but – Rich um, and old doesn't equal smart. We've seen that in politics. Yeah. We see that in Twitter. We see that in NFL team ownership. Uh, let me just, get you, you're already fired up here, Joe. Let me keep it going. Albert O was traded to Philly, by the way, in yeah. what everyone on Twitter calls the greatest trade of all time. Uh, Howie Roseman <laughs> could do literally anything, and everybody would call it the greatest thing of all time. Two years ago, everybody wanted, uh, Herod wanted his head on a platter um, for his daughter. Uh, that This... Um, I mean, I just it, it's a, just a reasonable good trade for the Eagles. You trade uh, you trade a sixth round pick for Albert Alberto and a seventh. The, the, there's a couple of things here. Number one, um, Alberto can't block a lick. You might have seen a clip from Mark Schlereth that was going around Twitter where he got blown off the end of the line of scrimmage into like the opposite B gap. Um, not good. The Eagles are not going to have him block because Dallas Goddard can block and Jack Stoll can block. So. Um, Albert O is going to be a big wide receiver for the Eagles who, as of recording, have just four wide receivers on their active roster. They'll have a fifth because they need a punt returner. Um, and look, they're going to play some 12 personnel packages where Albert O is going to be a big slot receiver for them. And I think it's a completely reasonable and good trade for the Eagles to make. For fantasy, he needs a Dallas Goddard injury to become relevant or or look at the receivers on that roster or like a Devonte Smith or AJ Brown injury to become relevant because he could essentially maybe be a big receiver, but there is absolutely going to be one spectacular catch at some point that you were like, Oh, how he does it again. And how he got him, And you know, he's going to score four touchdowns and all of them are going to be sick of this touchdowns, but it was a look, it was a good trade for the Eagles. He doesn't have great dynasty value because he's buried behind Dallas Goddard, but this gives him some more dynasty value than he had in Denver where he was clearly on the outs for over a year. I've got the punt returner. You mentioned the Eagles need a guy just got cut by his team. <laughs> Jalen Rager. Rager. I did. I, did. <laughs> I have to admit that the thought crossed my mind, but uh, the, the only way the Eagles could remove any goodwill that they've built up in Philadelphia, which uh, I mean, right now, the Eagles and the Phillies have Philadelphia on like the absolute highest of highs um, would be to bring back Jalen Rager, who is oh, just, boy. who's just a, he's just a bad vibes guy. You know, he's like, um, he's like Eeyore, you know, like, just like, Oh God, he's just a fantasy <laughs> oh, guy. That's a good <laughs> team name for somebody this weekend. Fantasy Eeyore. You're like everyone on my team got hurt. Not going to win the title. Spilled my beer. Like that's fantasy Eeyore. Somebody send me a screenshot. Uh, with fantasy Eeyore on, I'd love to see it. Uh, you know, we like to be propped up here on the two point stance, and that's why we bring smart guys like Graham Barfield. And Graham, you're diving into the usage of preseason. There's some valuable nuggets to be gleaned here, and I know you got a couple of backfields that you really want to hit on. Let's start with the Steelers, where you've got two pretty good running backs, and boy, is Jalen Warren getting steamed up uh, in some yes, of these drafts? Is. As people are saying he's going to take over the backfield, I don't think that's going to happen. But what have you found? Sam, I don't think he's going to take over the backfield either. 
uh, this will be some sort of split, kind of like what it was last year. So if you look at the numbers at the end of last season, Jalen Warren had an injury, but if you look at the last like five or six games when he and Najee were both healthy, it was like a 65-35 split. Some games it was like closer to 60-40. Uh, but this preseason, Kenny Pickett's played four drives, and he's played spectacularly. I mean, everybody's watched the game. Kenny Pickett's been great. Uh, 28 snaps on four drives. The snaps have been split 16-12 to 12 in Najee's favor. Their third game, Najee finally kind of got more involved. But I guess my point in all this is like, you know, it was a 65-35 split-ish last year. Jalen Warren's done nothing but, you know, earn more snaps. I believe Matt Canada when he says Najee's their starter. But to me, this is a 60-40 committee, and I've been kind of out on Najee. Uh, I think he should be going closer to like the fifth round of like Ken Walker and like Miles Sanders. I think he projects closer to those guys as opposed to like Joe Mixon and the Travis Etienne's and uh, Ramondre Stevenson's. The Texans have a surprisingly good offensive line. I think the casual players out there aren't going to realize the upgrades that the Texans have made. Damian Pierce is a guy you can get probably later than you should. And I know you're pretty high on him this year. Yeah, I am. I was high on Pierce last year, high on him uh, this year. I loved him in yards created. Uh, and this year, it seems like he's going to be a bell cow. Last year, Pierce was just 14th in snaps among all running backs at 63%. He ranked 35th in routes run per game. But this preseason, I mean, he's been the guy, like the guy uh, with two over the last two games with CJ Stroud. Stroud's played 26 snaps. Pierce is only on the field for 23 of them. Uh, and again, I don't think Pierce is going to be like a 90% snap share player. That's just not going to happen during the season. Nobody is like only Christian McCaffrey can really do that. But a big boost from like 63% to like 70% for Pierce is very viable. And you know, mix in the fact that Texans have a pretty good offensive line. Their offense is going to be better with C.J. Stroud. They're going to be a better game game script. And Damian Pierce is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I've been in on Pierce. Uh, I almost moved him over Najee in my rankings. I think I will. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just make that final call this afternoon. Uh, you know, Najee's workload to me has just looked worse and worse. Pierce's has looked better and better. And I think, frankly, Pierce is a better running back. Tank Bigsby is a guy who has, you know, he's coming off the board, uh, fantasy pros consensus ADP RB 46 right now. But boy, the the vibes in the preseason are just so good. I You noted in your article about his fumble, but it was a goal line carry. I don't think that's going to matter too much. There's a lot to like about Jacksonville this year, but there's going to be questions all season long. We're going to be battling ETN. Can he catch the ball? Can he get the goal line? Is Bigsby going to get a better role? What do you think? Well, we're dealing with like tiny sample sizes with all of this. You know, again, you know, Lawrence played just 38 snaps this preseason, uh, but ETN outsnapped Bigsby 26 to 10. Uh, would be a little bit of a roll bump for ETN. And I think that's kind of what we can project, right? Like ETN was a rookie last year, basically coming off a foot injury. Uh, Tank was great this preseason. Like definitely don't hold that fumble against him. It's a great sign that he was out there and playing as the clear RB2 behind ETN. But, you know, that's what he is right now. He's the clear handcuff here. Doug Peterson said this offseason, guys, that he wants to try to get ETN to like 1,600 to 1,700 rushing yards. And that doesn't sound like a coach who's about to put ETN in a timeshare. Like, I think it's pretty clear that ETN's like at worst the 1A. And then mixing the fact that Jags should take a big step forward this year, uh, ETN is a player I've been drafting. I think he's a really, really solid fourth round pick. Really solid. How about in Buffalo, where 
I think everyone's favorite sleeper this year is James Cook. They're going to walk into the draft like, listen, the Bills got this guy, James Cook. He's Dalvin's brother. I'm going to get him in like the eighth round. No one knows about this guy. Everyone knows about James Cook at this point. He's he's playing with the starters. Uh, it, it just has this feel, though, of like, God, he's going to get vultured at the goal line by Allen or Harris or Murray. How, how deep are you concerned about this Bills backfield and James Cook? So, yeah, James, James Cook, the whole offseason, the big concern was like, okay, he could be the 1A with zero touchdown upside. Like, what is that worth in fantasy, right? And that's kind of like what Devin Singletary has been in the last two or three years. Singletary, for fantasy, has been okay. Like, you, you could start him in your flex, like RB27 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we saw it. I mean, Harris, right when they got in the red zone their last game, Harris was the guy in there. He's coming back off the knee injury. Uh, I will say just like overall, the usage was very positive for James Cook. He was on the field for 23 of 29 snaps with Josh Allen. And if he's going to be like the in-between the 20s guy with limited touchdown upside, like that still plays in fantasy. But we've just kind of like got to recalibrate that his upside is probably a little bit capped unless Harris or Latavius Murray, who somehow still looks amazing at 33 years old. Latavius has found like the fountain of youth or something up there in Buffalo, but uh, yeah, uh, it'll be, it'll be cook as the clear guy in between the twenties. And then I, I'm really concerned, Joe, that cook probably doesn't have a ton of touchdown upside. What, what do you think right now? Yeah. I mean, I was watching some clips of him. First and foremost, he's a very explosive runner, but he's, yeah. he is still not somebody who's going to go in between the tackles. He was bouncing some runs. Um, I, I do think that's the problem. And look, I, I'm not trying to say Damian Harris has extreme touchdown upside because Though I think they want to take some of that off of Josh Allen's plate. That's why the Eagles aren't going to stop running the Jalen Hurts sneak because it freaking works. Josh Allen works as the goal line back. So you score touchdowns and that's the first that's the first part of the situation. And then if you're like, all right, we need to figure out how to score touchdowns with somebody else, then you figure that out later. But Josh Allen remains their goal line back and I think will remain their goal line back. Maybe they pull back on that a little bit with Damian Harris, who is a proven touchdown scorer. But I agree with you. Not a lot of touchdown upside for James Cook unless he's scoring from outside the 10 yard line. What if I told you guys that there is a starting running back in the NFL that you can get at RB 32? There's 32 teams in the league. So there are, you know, every other running back in the league is going before this guy. Graham, it's Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert, who, okay, he's been hurt a time or two. But boy, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric and nobody wants to draft him. What's going on? Dude, he is electric. He's awesome. I mean, last year, according to Fantasy Points data, he ranked third in yards after contact. Only Rashad Penny and Tony Pollard were better. I think he was like sixth or seventh in missed tackles forced. Uh, he was really freaking good last year. He, I mean, he didn't force like a true like 50-50 timeshare with David Montgomery. He had a slightly different role, but like the small sample was there. Like Herbert was great in college too. I. Uh, and this preseason, he's been Justin Fields' guy. Uh, Fields has played 20 snaps. Herbert's been on the field for 14 of them. And what we saw, Drake, in the last game, uh, Roshan Johnson was actually on the field as their RB2. He came in on the field on two third downs, and uh, there were two obvious clear passing situations. Uh, so to me, Foreman's like the insurance on Herbert. He's the like handcuff to that role. And then Roshan will be like kind of the spell, change of pace, passing down guy. But Herbert has screamed up my rankings. I'm, I've 
bumped in ahead of Isaiah Pacheco. I, you know, those guys are kind of the same player in a sense, like they're the early down guys on their offense, but I think Herbert probably has a more valuable role because the guys behind him are not as good as, you know, Jarek McKinnon and, and CEH behind Pacheco. So yeah, I bumped up Herbert a lot. Talents there, role is going to be there. All the Bills are, excuse me, the Bears beats have been saying like, yeah, he's the clear one, one A, like he's their lead back until he loses it. And I don't think he's going to lose the job this year. Man, that is a just big meat sandwich of fantasy just uh, slapped all together. Guys, before we get out of here, do you have any big drafts this weekend? Anything you're looking oh. forward to? Maybe a home league with your pals or anything? Joe, let's start with you. Anything fun for oh. this final draft weekend? I've got – I actually love – see, the, here's the thing is like the, the whole Twitter thing is I don't care about your fantasy team. I'm here to care about your fantasy team, and I've got a long – I was asking Tom and Graham what their, what their draft schedules look like. So here's the deal. Today, uh, tonight, I'm going to watch the Justified finale with my with my wife. So I don't have any I don't have any address tonight. She 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 goes to bed before Justified's on at 10 p.m. So we have to push that to the next day. Um, number two, tomorrow, me, Graham, and Tom are running back three bros. We have a we have an FFPC draft tomorrow night. Um, on on uh. Sunday, I have two drafts. I have my hometown league and then my longest running league with my uh, college newspaper buddies. On Monday, Graham and I, Graham, me, me, Graham, and Tom have a second three bros FFPC draft. And then on Tuesday, I have a draft with my sister and my brother in law. So I have, I am loaded up here. I am beamed up. Gonna have to get caught. I'm gonna have to get coffee in my veins and uh, get energetic. We're gonna. Me, Graham, and Tom, we're we're excited for those FFPC drafts. Uh, like, I I can't wait. Oh, by the way, go to you uh, stream FFPC, those. Use code points at FFPC, and you're going to get twenty five dollars off your first entry. So there you go. Yeah, some big money in those FFPC tournaments. We uh we always try to do a couple big tournaments, try to take down a big prize. We finished uh, what was it, Joe? Like top ten in the prime time in FFC twenty twenty one. We, yeah, uh, we like twelve grand all three. Yeah, despite the fact so. that we didn't, we literally didn't have a quarterback in the playoffs. Yeah. I know because we have Lamar, Debo. We, Lamar got freaking hurt. Yeah, you know, gastritis or whatever it was. Who then got COVID, or and yeah. we didn't have a quarterback in the playoffs that killed us. Yeah, so, I, I have my uh, my longest my longest running draft. Uh, my home league runs tonight. I have been in this league, guys, since I was in sixth grade. Uh, wow. I've been drafting this league for like fifteen years. It's crazy. So I'm pumped for that tonight. Uh, yeah, a lot of high stakes leagues. This is this is the week, man. This is my favorite week of the year for fantasy. It is. Like we said, if you still need a draft board, we can help you out with that, guys, and we'll save you some money. FJFantasy.com. Use code FANTASYPTS10, and you'll get 10% off your order. I've got the 18th year. We're legal now in the Alcoholic Haze draft here in Syracuse. All my old frat buddies and softball bros. So uh, that'll be a good time. The 10-year anniversary of my one and only win in that league, as we call it, the only league that matters. Goddamn, I got to get another. I got to get that belt back, guys. That's That's a tough one. Uh, when all your buddies like, don't you do fantasy podcasts? How come you don't win this league more often? Shut up. That's what I say to you guys. I'm sure you get that a lot from your buddies, right? Oh, my God. It's the uh, worst. It's the I haven't won my <laughs> longest running league since 2008, which was the year before I entered the fantasy industry full time. Wow. Yeah. Now, this year, I, I have my I, it's a 14 team league. I have two keepers. The keepers are um, uh, my first and second round pick. It's uh Jamar Chase and Jay and um Tyreek Hill. I had to keep my first and but those draft boards, those 14 team keeper draft boards are always wild when you um when you look back at it. I like there's gonna be guys going in 
you look back last year, like Sky Moore was a fifth round draft pick in that league. Like it's it's wild. Mm. Uh, it's gonna be t- it's gonna be a really tough draft for me to navigate on Sunday night. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and if you need a draft cheat sheet, fantasypoints.com. We got cheat sheets for full PPR, half PPR, standard, two quarterback, auction. You name it, it's over there. You can make custom cheat sheets at fantasypoints.com. Jody, you got a promo code for the folks if they want to save a dollar or two. Uh, at fantasypoints.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. Use uh, use code DRAFTCRAM. Can you save a few Ooh, bucks? DRAFTCRAM. I'm going to try mm-hmm. that one myself. All right, folks, we've kept you long enough. Thanks so much to our guest, Graham Barfield. Follow him on the Twitter machine, at Graham Barfield. Joe, of course, is at FG underscore Dolan, and I am at Great Fantasy. We'll see you next time in the Two Points Deck. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.